Take a look behind the curtain with a real whistleblower and American patriot. Prepare to embrace the uncomfortable truth because this program has no time for comforting lies. Here is civil liberties enthusiast, Second Amendment defender, and recovering FBI agent, Kyle Serafin. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to the Kyle Serafin Show. Today is Thursday, and it's February the 29th, which is a bonus day. Huh. Bonus day here in 2024, the last day of Black History Month. A little bit extra for you. And we are rolling live on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. You guys can find us there. That's where the live chat is going on. Someone just said they had a uh, an erect member because they thought Trump might be in office for life. I don't know about all that. That seems pretty crazy. But all of you are out there cutting it up and sharing. And you've been here for an hour or so. So I am looking forward to getting into it today. We're going to be talking about bump stocks. If you don't know what those are, I'll explain it to you and why they're not a machine gun. We're going to be talking about some Supreme Court cases, things that are rolling up to the Supreme Court, a decision they made to pick up a case. And uh, we're going to talk about the trad life. We do a lot of politics here. We do a lot of news commentary. I want to do a little social commentary. And I want to say I got into it last night in a Twitter space. The reason I love doing it, by the way, I was there with former Congressman George Santos. That's always a strange thing to be doing. And we got in it, and as we ended, he gave me like one minute to close it out. So I just threw my grenade, and my grenade is, ladies and gentlemen, if you think that women need to be in the workplace and moms at the same time, you got conned. That's my take, and I'm not apologetic about it. So take it or leave it, and we're going to go through and why I think that. I will always I will always bring my thoughts on why that is, and I'm going to give you some arguments. And if it works for you, great. There's a lot of women out there that, that uh, were sharing this on social media this morning. And they all, anyone who's had the contrary opinion and uh, comes at me, it looks like it's an emotional response. It's very prideful. It doesn't seem to take into account the other people that are involved in this. It seems like a lot of these debates end up just getting emotion, but not based on the reason. And more importantly, I'm not attacking you personally. If you're a mom and you're working, I'm not attacking you. I don't even know you. (laughs) I support your decision to do something that you think is right. I'm going to try to convince you that I think that this entire generation, my generation, the one before it, really got screwed over in this decision because it made more sense. And we should be living our our best existence. And I think, unfortunately, what many of us have experienced is that America has gone over the top of the peak of greatness and has slid down. That's why there is a movement called MAGA. If you don't realize why people resonated with that wording, make America great again, it's because there was something fantastic and it continued to build to the zenith. And we are now on the back end of that. That doesn't mean that we can't pull back. I mean, you're this is not like a determinant fatalistic position, but I do think that some of it takes a recognition that if you don't know that America is about children and future, things that we are sacrificing right now, I've got some stories to, to cover this up, man, then uh, it's time to open your eyes up. Let me just start with that. We're going to go into uh, a couple of our great sponsors, and then we're going to get into these stories. Like I said, um, just covering an awful lot of ground today, and I don't want to be slow. I'm doing coffee. You guys can probably tell, and I'm drinking it out of my Patriot cooler. (laughs) This is fine. You know what's funny is like shilling for products, but the the upside is is that I've been using this this company since 2017, back when I was an FBI agent, and uh, I used them on surveillance. They make a great product. There's no question about that. They have a great name, Patriot Coolers. Very easy to find at patriotcoolers.com. You can use the promo code Kyle, which is always my promo code. I negotiate it out so that you can just do four letters to save a couple bucks and let them know that we sent you. It's K-Y-L-E. 
PatriotCoolers.com. What you're seeing on the screen there is our 50 quart in tan. That's the hard sided one. There's a lot of uses for your uh, for your coolers. If you have one and you're not using it, if you have a Yeti or any of these things, like. We used to roll around with the Yeti in the car. I just actually like the Patriot better. It fits better. It's more modular. It is a much square, like square-like design. It doesn't have weird angles cutting in. Anyway, smart design, good company, based out of Houston, Texas. They are our friends, and we do appreciate them sponsoring the Kyle Serafin Show. So again, if you're in the market for it, today is the 19-ounce tumbler. I've actually got off camera. I've got my 16 ounce as well from yesterday because I was drinking water at the end of the day. I did a long day doing some interviews. Again, patriotcoolers.com, promo code Kyle, K-Y-L-E. Save yourself some money and let them know that we sent you. Appreciate them. All right, let's let's launch into this. We're going to talk about the uh, the other things going on. I don't want to belabor this. And I also do want to say thanks to all of you that join us on uh, Apple and on Spotify and on iHeartRadio. I know you guys probably get short shrift because we always talk about the Rumble chat. I know you're out there and I know that, uh, that you're out there supporting us. We've had some record numbers in the last couple of days. Awesome that you're with us. You're not missing anything on the visuals today so much. So let's get into it. Michigan primary election results. We missed that covering yesterday. I just wanted to hit the numbers because they've updated them since that time. This was updated as of this morning, just before we went live. Donald Trump taking 68.1% with the four delegates split between that and Nikki Haley getting four. She had 26.6%. Just a dominating victory. And the reason why I threw this on the screen, uh, especially that graphic on the bottom, 44 points skewed towards Trump. It's uh, it's just showing a needle buried to the left, which is where the Donald Trump side of the, uh, the the margin is. Absolutely crushing. I have no idea why Nikki Haley continues to stay in this. Well, we have some ideas, but there's just no path to victory if she keeps getting blown out like this. She couldn't do it in her home state. She couldn't do it in uh, in Michigan, this sort of battleground state. People do not resonate right now with a Nikki Haley. That may have something to do with the story that we're going to be talking about. I actually saw someone say, you know, there's this discussion right now about whether Tulsi Gabbard needs to be on the ticket. Like, we have such a bizarre binary view as conservatives. Like, the minute someone pops up that has a little bit of, has a little bit of fame, has a little bit of notoriety, has a little bit of uh, sort of appeal, maybe towards the middle, like, the first thing we do is jump on it. Like, that has to be the person. It has to be Vivek. It has to be Tulsi Gabbard. Like, no, it doesn't. It could be anybody. I don't know. We just get so narrowly focused. I despise the idea of someone who has a voting record that is 100% anti-gun. Now she's running around and playing in the tactical games. I'd be more than happy to interview her. I don't dislike Tulsi as a person. I don't even know her. I just know that she's not the only choice. She shouldn't be even a choice. So why do we think that we have to discuss her? It's this, like Roger Stone is pushing it right now. Bunch of these people. All the private conversations I have with people that love guns, that know about guns, that are excited about people changing their mind. This is the, this is the position of Tulsi Gabbard. You know what? I'll take Tulsi Gabbard for NRA president. How about that? If that's what's going on. I already dislike the, the NRA. I already don't trust them. So let her show her credentials by fixing the NRA. That'd be amazing. Um, but as it stands right now, I don't need a Hawaiian surfer, army officer that seems to have just nothing but political motivations. I have no trust in that. Go prove it. Go out there and fix the NRA, which sucks, which we're going to actually cover a uh, story about that. I used to live right down the street from the NRA. Funniest, silliest story was I went there to go sight in a rifle when I was working for the FBI. It was a, it was a duty weapon. And I just needed it to, to go before I was going to go on a trip. And I go down to the NRA and they're getting protested, which they happens all the time. So these like lunatic leftists on there and they're out there crying about, uh, you know, I can't remember what the hell they were, they were upset about at the time. It might've been bump stocks. Honestly, it was like 2018, 2019-ish. And so I go down there and they're marching around and there's one side of guys that love guns and they're wearing plate carriers and they're fat and they just look kind of ridiculous to me. And then you got the other side and they all look weak and there's gays and they're singing and they're doing choir, talking about how guns kill people and kids and all this other nonsense. 
just the worst scene in America, like the not, like talking past each other. So I walked around and I had these, these organic gummy bears that were from Costco and I went and got them and I'm wearing a baseball cap because it was my, my range hat and it says uh, G, which is for Geisley, which is the company that makes the triggers I like, makes my rifles, uh, was my duty rifle, so on. So I'm marching around here with this, this G hat and I've got this big box full of gummy bears and they're these organic silly gummy bears and, and I, and they're like, what's the G stand for? All the, all the, uh counter protesters, whatever they're called, like the, the protests that hate guns. And I go, oh, it stands for gummy bears. And they're like, oh. And I go, do you want one? And they go, no. And I go, they're organic. And they go, oh, okay. And then I'd give them to the gun people who were much less suspicious. And at the end of the day, everybody could agree on gummy bears. Like we're just, we're just, we're just silly. We're just silly people. We're not serious. <laughs> that debate was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. And it reminds me of what's going on in the bump stock debate. So uh, let's, we'll get there. We're, we're on our way there. First, I want to cover something else that uh, SCOTUS is picking up. They've picked up the Trump immunity case. I threw the entirety of the order on the page for you all to see. If you guys don't follow SCOTUS blog, it's actually a pretty good. They are pretty independent. Their analysis is pretty clean. It's pretty minimal when it comes to like weighing in on the politics of it. So I'm going to quote that uh, woman who seems to run it or has a lot of articles up there is a woman named Amy Howe, H-O-W-E, says the Supreme Court on Wednesday agreed to decide whether a former president, Donald Trump, can be tried on criminal charges that he conspired to overturn the results of the 2020 election. I think it's good that they're taking it up. I don't know what it's going to involve, but uh, this obviously needs to be settled. The justice ordered the federal appeals court to continue to keep its hold on the ruling, rejecting Trump's claim of immunity from prosecution, and they fast-tracked the case for an argument in late April. Now, part of the, the controversy in this particular case, if you recall, was that a district judge was trying to get this thing done by March 4th. This clearly had some political implications, and uh, this is now pushing it back. So there's a stay on that, and it's been stayed for quite a while, and they've, they've basically agreed, this, this judge, uh, Tanya Chutkin, has agreed to hold off on uh, scheduling until after this is decided. So sometime in late April, we'll hear this. Uh, the order itself is actually very, very short, so I'll read uh, a chunk of it here. It says, the application for stay presented uh, to the Chief Justice and referred to him by the court, the special counsel's request to treat the stay application as a petition of a writ of centriari is granted, and that petition is granted to the limited, the following limited question. And here's what they're gonna address in this particular appeal. So lest anyone tell you otherwise, this is what it's about. Whether and if, I'm sorry, whether and if so to what extent does a former president enjoy presidential immunity from criminal prosecution to conduct uh, alleged to conduct alleged to involved? Jesus, these things are terrible, aren't they? Uh, official acts. I even read this before and it was just like, it's just so it's so chunky and wordy during his tenure in office. So the question is whether or not uh, his official acts during tenure of office are going to subject him to later prosecutions. They don't specifically narrow this down to Donald Trump, by the way. They're not addressing Donald Trump specifically. They're addressing the precedent and what it would mean. So that's what's coming up. It's pending. It's, it's coming down the line at us. And we might as well just know that this is going to be kicked down the line until April, end of April, and then we'll deal with it again. I don't know, man. We're just we're living in this time frame where every single thing is a new low, as you guys continue to see. We all know that uh, this is a political prosecution, but at least they're going to maybe establish whether or not it could happen again. That's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> One of you in the chat said these things are written by illiterates. They're they're so litigious they forget that these are actually words that are meant to communicate an idea, and so they put phrasing that doesn't make any bit of sense at all. In any case, speaking of some really really illiterate types and some of the stupidities most foolish things I've ever listened to. I made the mistake. I guess it was not a mistake because I'm talking about it now. I tuned in to the live oral arguments that was being discussed over the bump stock ban, which is now being heard 
or was just heard as far as oral arguments, and we'll listen for a, uh, a decision on it, about the bump stock ban that was implemented. Now, this was a Trump ban. Trump era, Trump ATF, Trump conveyed to the ATF what he wanted done. So for all of you that are out there, I'm not bagging on Trump. What I'm telling you is we have to be realistic. By the way, I'm going to hit Ronald Reagan as well, who's also a conservative favorite. All of these men, all of these leaders have significant problems in their presidency. Nobody is perfect. I'm not asking for perfect politicians, but I am saying that we are completely foolish if we are not discussing the fact that they make failings and it is our job as citizens to demand better. And Ronald Reagan went well over the line, by the way, when he left the president, the office of the president, he continued to support gun control. Many of you may not realize this. His first mistake was called the Hughes Amendment, which we're going to discuss. And then it went deeper and he was into the Brady Bill and some other things because he had an emotional involvement. And that's the worst place to make decisions from. Emotional decisions are almost always wrong. In fact, that's been my my retort to people that are upset about my trad life comments. It's like, look, you have an emotional response. I don't. I'm not involved in this. I just know that the outcomes are worse and the outcomes are decidedly worse for freedom if we back the executive branch redefining black letter law and trying to interpret it for their favorable moment. It 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 degrades all American freedoms. It's a bad, bad precedent. And just because the political left is more than happy to overstep the uh, the the limitations that should be on the executive office. It doesn't mean that that conservatives should be doing the same thing. We should be setting better examples of, and moreover, we should not be caving. The bump stock ban was 100% an emotional reaction to something that happened in Las Vegas, and it was a scapegoat, and you cannot feed the alligator parts of yourself hoping that it'll get to your head last. It's eventually going to eat you all, and this is a great example of it. Live updates here that you're seeing. This is from uh, New York Times. For some reason, I had two articles. Or, uh, the, the whole thing about the uh, the Trump domination in Michigan was also from the New York Times, so we'll give credit where it's due. Uh, live updates that they gave. The justices appeared largely divided along ideological lines. That's a big shocker right now, isn't it? Over whether the Trump administration overstepped bounds by imposing a ban on a device that a shooter can use to fire at speeds rivaling a machine gun. That's actually a fair statement. The speeds do, in fact, rival a machine gun. They are, in fact, approximated to what a machine gun is. But that's not what's at stake here. And what's interesting is listening to the justices argue the leftists on the court. What they're trying to do is make it about rate of fire. And there's nothing about rate of fire that is discussed in the federal law that was uh, defined what a machine gun was in 1934. That's what's so important to us. We have to understand that laws have meanings and there's a reason why we have a delegation of powers. Congress's job is to break out and define what is, in fact, federal law. The Supreme Court interprets how that law was applied. And then the executive is the one that goes out and forces it. If you are going to try to make, I don't know what the, the answer is. If you're blurring the line between what the law says and what you believe that the law meant, go back to Congress and get the law that you want. You cannot do it through executive overreach. And this is what the deep state is, folks. This is what the administrative state thrives on. The power of Congress shirking responsibility and doing the hard job of legislating, which means finding consensus and getting enough people to agree to it. It's far easier to delegate that off under the Administrative Procedures Act and allow the so-called experts to go out and interpret law in a favorable way and then hope that the courts are going to basically play referee in a good way. That that's going to that's going to preserve liberty. It's not. These are three basically corrupted branches, not because they're bad people, not because that they have some, um, you know, some nefarious intent, although some obviously do. 
What we're talking about is legislating in a way that was not designed. We don't need the courts to legislate. Obviously, we know this is a terrible instinct. That's basically taking a body of people that's supposed to involve 535 individual checks on constituents and representatives. They're supposed to go out there and negotiate, come up with solutions. And then that also has to have a final check, which is to say that a president signs it into law or it is so overwhelmingly popular, it doesn't matter. And they can pass it over the over the right of the veto. That's not what we're doing right now. That's not where all this terrible stuff happens. In fact, it has a lot to do with what goes on in the border. There was no legal change in the stat. We didn't pass new laws that changed the way that border enforcement works. We put a new executive in and you had massive overreach and you had political appointees at these different departments decide what they felt like they were going to do with the laws that were in front of them. This is fundamentally un-American. It is not the way that our system, that our republic is designed to work. Not at all. And so that's why everyone has this, um, this this sense of anxiety. Look, it's the same on the political left. Our neighbors are not our enemies. They shouldn't be. We should know those people are also experiencing the same anxiety because they know how tenuous this is. That's why the presidential elections are so contentious. Because if it literally hangs on the shoestring balance of 1% of the population voting one way or another way, based on what you're gonna do with all of the laws that are supposed to be checked against all this distribution of power, the number one article in our constitution describes the legislature as the primary. It may be the it may be among equals, but it is the first among equals and it's where things are supposed to originate. Having wild sways in public opinion based on 1% of the of the vote shift, popular or or electoral college. Horrible. It's the worst thing for our country. And that's how I feel like we're so divided. So we're going to get deeply into that. Let me do a sponsor read real quick here. Um, you know what we don't have to be divided about is that the medical industry debased themselves over the last couple of years. And uh, one of the things you can do is take that power back into your hands. I always tell you guys that I believe that there are two options. You can prepare or you can repair. The prepair option is doing something like going to contingencymedical.com. This is a, I just reached out to the CEO yesterday and we just had kind of a back and forth. Uh, a number of you guys have made the decision to be able to purchase this thing. You can do it with your flex spending account, your HSAs. If you're putting money away for your health and you want to spend it, the odds are in any given year, you may have to either visit an emergency room or an urgent care. Most of us are going to have some experience or you're going to tough it out and it's going to suck. You can get ahead of that really easily. And on the screen, what you're seeing is the, a little snippet from their website. It is a survival guide. It gives you on-demand access to being able to reach out from your phone or from your computer you can go to get a doctor to write a prescription that is legit and you will get a whole host of them like you saw in my pack there. I've got like eight different courses of antibiotics. I've got antiemetics, which will stop vomiting. That's a big deal. I can't do my show if I'm throwing up. I promise you. I could probably do it sick in many other ways, but I can't do it throwing up. This is a big deal. Check out there. You've got experienced physicians that are going to be in your state. So it's a licensed uh, prescription. You're going to have licensed pharmacies. So these are not just like something you're ordering off the internet and hoping it comes in. And it's not from crazy stuff. Mine came from Scottsdale. It was an online pharmacy that services these accounts. Uh, check them out. And then on ongoing support for the full year. Nothing better than that. Go out to contingencymedical.com. The promo code again, Kyle, K-Y-L-E, contingencymedical.com. Just spell it all out. Go check them out. Good company out of Idaho. Good folks. And we really appreciate them jumping in with us. Okay, uh, here, let's get into the bump stock thing. The justices were divided among the ideological lines. The Supreme Court wrestled with whether or not they would uh, agree that the the ban was lawfully enacted. They, they're split down this line where, th this is the dumbest thing that I heard. I'm gonna come back off here, sorry. I gotta go and rant. I, <laughs> I listened to Kentenji Jackson Brown, 
Now, I watched her confirmation as well. Why? Because the FBI analyst that was in my office had some like love for her. And so they put it on the big screen on CNN. This is just as I was getting thrown out of the bureau. I'm doing zero work anyway. They weren't going to give me any access to cases. So I'm sitting here watching this, this hearing. I heard her say she wasn't a biologist, so she couldn't decide what a woman was. Well, she's not a gunsmith either. But moreover, you don't have to be a biologist. You don't have to be a gunsmith to be able to determine what a woman is or how firearms work. What you have to be is not stupid. You have to know that you are ignorant on the topic, and so your questions have to come from not a place of assuming facts, not in evidence, or your own fantasies. And that's what she brought to the, to the argument. What she said was, and I had a contentious day on, on Twitter discussing with people, because the first thing the leftists who hate guns do is they go and they say, if you want to regulate that, why do you want to regulate our uterus? Like, you, you don't want a woman telling you about guns? I don't care if she's a woman. There's plenty of women that know plenty about guns. There are some that know more than me, I'm sure. But the fun thing about it is this. If you know as much as I know about firearms, then you think the way that I do about firearms. Why? Because you probably like them enough to actually care. And if you don't agree with me on firearms, you probably don't know enough. My statement is always the following. If you are too ignorant to be able to engage me in a one-to-one -one debate where you know what things mean, and, the, and this all stems from the fact that uh, Jackson Brown, Justice Jackson Brown, stated the following. Her belief is that the function of the trigger, which is the operable term here that we are discussing with machine guns, the function of the trigger is to initiate a chemical reaction. That's false. That's demonstrably false. That's not what triggers do. Triggers do any number of things that release hammers, generally speaking, which strike firing pins. And that is how you end up with the actual round going down range, but it doesn't have to. And I'm gonna show you exactly why. Look, I pulled this out the other day, I don't know why, but it's under my desk, this is in my, my hand safe. This is a 1911 handgun, this was built in um, recently, but this design, it's a John Browning design, right? 1911, that's when the army adopted it, designed in 1908 if my memory serves. You guys can fact check me in there. This is an old style weapon. This is the trigger. Its job is to initiate a chemical reaction did it do its job? Yes. Did it initiate a chemical reaction? No. Why? Because it dropped a hammer. Let's do it again. It's really simple. You can hear it if you're on the audio. That is the sound of a hammer hitting a firing pin that was released by a trigger mechanism because the purpose of the trigger, the function of the trigger is one pole or multi one pole has some action. And if it releases a trigger, uh, releases a hammer group rather that hits a firing pin continuously, we call it a machine gun. I'm going to read you from the law. It's worth knowing. This is section 58. 54B of the National Firearms Act of 1934, it defines a machine gun as any weapon which shoots, is designed to shoot, or can readily be restored to shoot automatically more than one shot without a manual reloading by a single function of the trigger. This operable phrase, the function of the trigger, it's very easy. There are multiple steps in between pulling the trigger or pressing the trigger, if you were trained in law enforcement the way that I was. The, these steps have nothing to do with a chemical reaction because my firearm just functioned the way it was supposed to. I functioned the trigger and it dropped one time. That's not a machine gun. Now, if I were to pull that and you would have the operation of the weapon system moving over and over again, that are usually referred to as an auto sear, or potentially they have different ways. There's open blowback, there's different designs. But if you were to function the trigger one time and allow that system to continue to cycle, feed more ammunition automatically, which is to say that the machine functions in that mechanism, that is the way that it's supposed to, to work, not a failure, like where you pull it and something filed down and it just empties the magazine. When you have the ability to press the trigger, initiate multiple, multiple loadings, multiple shots, multiple firings, then what we're talking about is a machine gun, by definition. I think it's a dumb name, by the way. Machine pistols, 
you know, uh, machine rifles. The real machine guns look something like this. In fact, I've, I think I've got a, a really good, here, here. That's what a machine gun looks like. <laughs> that's a real one. It's coming in belt fed. It's coming in hot. That's sliced alone back in the classic, uh, what is that, Rambo? And he's getting it done, right? He's just sitting there just blasting rounds away. Holds the trigger, pins it to the rear, fire, 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 fire until you release. That's a machine gun. However, Katenji Jackson Brown is bringing this idea that it somehow has to do with the chemical reaction and because the chemical reactions continue to happen when you press a trigger multiple times with a bump stock, she's making this ridiculous argument, this stupid, foolish argument that those are machine guns because rate of fire is similar. And that is not what the law says. You heard the law without manually reloading by a single function of the trigger. What a bump stock does is something that is very commonly known as bump firing. And bump firing technique is a technique. It uses the inertia of the weapon system. You can bump fire this 1911 that I'm holding right now, which was built in 1908. It's a pistol and it holds a small magazine, single stack of 45 ACP, known as automatic Colt pistol. You can fire that in a bump fashion. What happens is, is you have rearward pressure on the trigger. You have forward pressure on the gun to be able to release that pressure. And then you have some sort of limiting device. Usually it's going to be like a belt loop or something like that. All the bump stock does is it takes the inertia of your of the gun going backwards. It allows it to bump backwards and forward against your trigger. But you are functioning the trigger every single time. And it's inherently less accurate. It's always going to be less accurate. There takes a push-pull method where you are putting contrasting pressures because the trigger must reset. And if you're going to be a justice on our Supreme Court and you're going to act like there's some sort of chemistry because you're a moron. By the way, she's not a chemist either. She's not a chemist. She's not a biologist. And she's not a gunsmith. So when did she decide that she's unable to answer questions or that she's going to bring her own fantasy to it? It's because they are out there with ideological bend and they are trying to back up something that Trump missed it on big time. Okay, what we see here... This is NBC's coverage. The, the, the Supreme Court appears torn over the challenge. No, some people brought their own thoughts to the process and some people are asking honest questions, which is like that Congress has to redefine what a machine gun is if it's going to be based on rate of fire. That's fine. By the way, I don't think they should do that. But if that's what they're going to do, redefine rate of fire to be the definition of a machine gun. And then you're going to have to figure out how to talk to guys like Jerry Michelek who can fire a 50 cal almost as fast as like some machine guns will. He's been out there showing that the human capabilities to rip the trigger can be faster and faster. They're going to run into some basic problems by some superhumans, the extreme capabilities that are out there in the world. Um, anyhow, NBC covering the same sort of thing. They basically broke down. What, what does this all stem from? It came because supposedly this guy, Stephen Paddock, used bump stock equipped firearms to fire into a country music festival, killed 58 people. This is a remo emotional reaction. It was at the time. It was an emotional reaction because people said, oh, my God, the bump stock killed all these people. He was able to do something, spray and pray into a, a crowd of people and a bunch of people died. That's not that is not the way that you look at this. Some evil person. And there's plenty of theories about that. It wasn't Stephen Paddock or maybe, you know, my buddy Steve Friend thinks it was an arms deal gone bad. That's how he was laundering his money in a casino. There's a lot of reasons why that may have happened. But the idea that you blamed the firearm and specifically the rate of the firearm, it's my argument. You ready for this? This is Kyle's hot take. I think the bump stock, if that's what was used at that moment, and that's what we're told, a bump stock there saved lives because people heard the chattering and they actually stopped. If that guy was really serious, all he needed was a semi-automatic 308 with some accuracy from an elevated position, timed to the beat of a drum. He could have just picked people off like a typewriter at the back there. The reason people actually recognized that something was wrong was because they heard that machine gun style, that, that fast, rapid rate of fire, and they went like, oh, crap. Does it make it a machine gun because it sounds like a machine gun? No. 
That's the same thing as saying that a man is a woman just because he's like dressed like a woman. It's not real. But Democrats are fine with that. Leftists are fine with that. They're fine with abusing the power. So anyway, my take is always that I used to joke about this because it's kind of a dark joke, but bump stocks save lives in this case. They're also a novelty item. Do you have any idea how expensive? Look, look at this. Let me put it back on the screen. Do you know how much it would cost to do that for about 12 seconds? It's prohibitive for most of us. Most of us have no ability to press a trigger to the rear and start spitting out, let's say on the, on the conservative end, 50 cents a round when you can put out, let's say, 400 to, to, to 800 rounds a minute. That's too much. That's all your money. That's all my money. I can't do that. I can't afford to shoot a machine gun. It sounds cool. I don't hate the idea of it, but I can't afford to sit there and press the trigger to the rear and feed a belt of those. Those are like, those are 308 shooting there. Now we're talking about a dollar a round, maybe. That's <laughs> so pricey. So it's, and, and then the functionality of it is this. You're accountable for every round that goes down range. How can you assure that it's going to go the right way? Anybody who's ever shot a machine gun knows that your accuracy opens up big time. Your accuracy is not going to be what it was. All right, we're going to talk about the Hughes Amendment here. We're going to get deeper into it. Um, why don't we just, since we're talking about uh, chaos and bad things happening, I'll do my, my sponsors with uh, my friends over at 4Patriots. Um, I've got actually got one last bag of food here from them. And we store some other stuff as well. Look, 4Patriots.com slash Kyle is where you can go if you want to believe in the prepare end of it. Doesn't matter if they're coming for your guns. You know what they're not coming for, at least yet, is your food. Although we're seeing an awful lot of people that look nefarious buying up farmlands, are they not? Give yourself a hedge against uncertainties. That's the only way to say it. You might buy gold. You might buy guns. You might buy ammo. If you're not able to uh, have enough calories to think, you're not going to be successful, whether you want to bump fire it or not. 4patriots.com slash Kyle is the company that we work with here at the Kyle Serafin Show. The uh, the slash Kyle doesn't mean that you're getting a deal on everything on the website. What you're getting is a deal on the things that are on that, and that changes every week, so I can't even keep up with it. The number four, patriots.com slash Kyle. If you're looking to put in an order, you can order things for 72 hours. We talked about rolling blackouts, Chinese infrastructure attacks last night on Twitter. That's a real possibility, for sure. Is it more likely that's going to be regional and strange? It's very possible. If you guys want to hedge against that, you can get 72 hours worth of food. You can get six months worth of food. You can get one month worth of food. For a family of four, they send these great packs out. Go ahead and check them out. Make sure that you have figured out whatever your solution looks like. And if it looks like a fire and forget, just put a couple of dollars into it and do it. 4patriots.com slash Kyle is a great way that you can sit there and not have to think about it a whole lot. Not all of us have time to sit here and muse about the function of a trigger or anything else. If you don't have time to worry about the minutia, which obviously our Supreme Court justices don't, then you can go to for patriots.com slash Kyle. All right. So the Hughes Amendment, should we do it? This is coming from Pew Pew Tactical, by the way, which is a silly website um, that has this great picture of Sly Stallone doing his thing. There comes a point in every gun owner's life when they start dreaming how much fun it would be to own a fully automatic machine gun, to own a fully automatic rifle, the wind blowing through your hair, the gunpowder in the air, and the spent casings falling faster than you can count them. That's what you're seeing right there. So what's the Hughes Amendment? The Hughes Amendment was Ronald Reagan's single least capable failure on the gun front. He was always known as very conservative and obviously he was a good he was a good president overall but this is a massive failure and it was the single worst thing that happened to gun rights since 1968 and it might be the actual worst thing that happened since 1934. What they did was is they outlawed civilian ownership of any newly built machine gun after 1986. You'll hear people can get things that are called post 1986 machine guns. You must be a firearms dealer with a specific license that is a, that is showing them to law enforcement or military buyers. That's the only way that you can actually own them. You have to have this specialized tax stamp status in order to go and buy a machine gun that was built after 1968. And those prices are normal. 
But if you were to go, and there's nothing special about them that they were built recently. In fact, they're probably better. If you want to buy a legal machine gun, you pay a $200 tax to the government for the privilege. They do a background check on you and they give you a tax stamp. The problem is, is that anything before 1986, one, it's older technology. Two, there's a finite number of them because they capped it right in 1986. And from then on, that became a depleting um, you know, number of, of limited ability to, to grab assets. Only so many people had them. Nobody knew that they were going to outlaw it at that time. And then from then on, like your Colt AR that's fully automatic from 1985 is probably worth... I don't know, sixteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars. I haven't even looked into it. I know guys that bought them for five or six thousand bucks, held onto them and sold them for over thirty thousand dollars. We had a friend, a mutual friend of, of me and one of my best buddies. He had a gun collection that he spent something like one hundred eighty thousand dollars on. That's a lot of money, but he was a millionaire. He had a bunch of money. He sold it for well over five hundred thousand dollars. Why? Because you cannot create new ones. There's a scarcity principle at play, and what that does is it makes it in, not available to everybody. If you have the money, it's not like anybody who can pay to play. If you're an American who passes the background check and, and has no problem, that's not what they did. They basically put an artificial cap on how many there can be. And the government has to know where they all are. That's not a good situation. That's not what the, what the Bill of Rights says. And so to do that and to consider bump stocks are the same thing is both absurd and dangerous. It makes felons out of people who are not felons. Again, that, that Hughes Amendment came to a group that was called the Firearms Protection Act of 1986. Basically, people who are gun folks know that there are a couple of big laws that were passed that were not good for gun owners. And it was in 1934 when they actually defined what the National Firearms Act was. That defined machine gun. That, dis, that defined what, what are called silencers legally, but we know them as suppressors, things that muffle the sound, which would be required, by the way, if you were trying to do that today. If you try to build a gun and patent it right now, something that was that loud that causes hearing damage to everybody around, they'd make you put a muffler on it. Just like you can't run any of your uh, internal combustion engines without a muffler. A silencer is simply just, it's just a sound dampener and it, and it doesn't make things silent except for my pistols. But <laughs> you got to shoot 22s and subs. There's a whole bunch of mechanics that goes into making your gun not very loud. They would be required. And, they, and by the way, if you shoot next to people who have suppressors and you shoot with people that have not had suppressors, you're never going to want to hang out with people that have guns that are not suppressed, especially hunting. It's the worst. Having I had a 308, or sorry, I had a 30-06 go off in my ear this side and a 300 Win Mag on this side when I was out deer hunting with my buddy, the worst, the worst that you can experience. It's terrible. <laughs> and then you're like, man, anybody who doesn't have one of these things is, is a real jerk. I don't want to hang out with people that don't buy suppressors. Long and short, they defined these things in 1934. They limited some additional guns and some imports in 1968. And then in 1986, those are the big ones. The assault weapon ban, all that did was make the AR the most popular gun in the world. Well, certainly at least in the United States. So long and short. This is not a good thing. The Hughes Amendment was the worst. And so you've got CNN covering down on this piece. They're going to get into the technicality. They said this is their takeaways from this whole argument. Um, the, the question was two triggers, three buttons, technical. The answer is a very technical question. If you have to cycle the trigger with your finger and that releases some volume of, of shooting, it, it releases one for every single time the trigger is activated. The function of the trigger equals one shot. That's it. It's not a machine gun. It's semi-automatic. No matter how fast you can do it, no matter how fast you can shoot it, that's the answer. And so all these other people are coming from an ideological bend. They're trying to push something that is their agenda. It has nothing to do with the black letter law. And that's what's so dangerous for all this stuff. So I told you the NRA let us down, and they did. Let me throw this on the screen. This is from NPR. Ugh. NPR backs regulation. I'm sorry, the NRA backs regulation of bump stocks. 
Oh, I thought the NRA owned all the politicians and was pushing only pro-gun stuff. They basically said, we are now going to sacrifice bump stocks because they're a novelty item. And don't get me wrong, they're a novelty item. Like not everybody has them. Not everybody wants to fight for them. But if you let this little area slip, you are losing something very important, which is the definition of machine gun, which is already a problem because it's still a machine gun is an arm. It's an arm that should be in common use. The reason it's not in common use is because the 1986 machine gun ban, they no longer allowed anyone to build them. If that, imagine this, imagine if it cost you $200 to go to the store you had a tax stamp that you paid. You paid for the machine gun. The machine gun was the same cost as any other rifle. It was somewhere between $1,000 and $3,000. And that's a lot of money. But the, the tax stamp is $200. That's not prohibitive. It used to be prohibitive when they wrote it in 1934. By the way, the best thing that they ever did was they fixed the number at 200 and not some percentage that's uh, inflation adjusted. That's the fan, like the fantastic part of it. It's a pain to pay the government $200 to buy your own property. But it's not prohibitive. What's prohibitive is when you artificially reduce the number in circulation and that continues to go up and up and up in cost. So now the entry level to get into a machine gun is like 10, north of $10,000. I don't even know what the crappiest machine gun is, but I guarantee it's more than 10 grand. And it continues to go up. My friends have had guns that were like 50 and 60 and $70,000. They were nothing cool about them. They were literally the same gun that you would go out and buy for the same price. Like if it was semi-automatic, it would be maybe 2,000 bucks and you're paying 50 because it's because it's a scarcity problem. The last thing is, and as our chat just appropriately pointed out, gangsters, the illegal uh, you know, street crimes that are being done when they're putting what they call switches on the back of Glocks, you can buy them overseas and you can put them in here. You can ship them in illegally by the, the 10,000. You might lose some of them. They send them in a bunch of different little packets from Chinese. They send them from Mexico and so on. They're making their weapons fully automatic. They're not getting tax stamps. They're in violation. And the other problem is when they're caught with them, they're not charged the way that you and I might be. If I got caught with a fully automatic Glock handgun that I manufactured myself, I'm looking at 10 years just for the possession of that, maybe 10 years for the avoidance of the tax stamp. We're looking at real felony time. These guys will get 30 days in county because the federal government's not interested in going after young black men who decided to like kill a bunch of people. By the way, it's not all young black men. It's just the idiots that decided to do this stuff. It's dangerous and stupid. And I'll take a semi-automatic every day. All you end up doing is having that spray where little kids get hurt. And, you know, it's it's horrific. The The problem, again, comes down to this this issue that the, the NRA backed this and Donald Trump went down this rabbit hole. Donald Trump went right down and played right into the trap, which is appeasement. You can never appease the leftist political machine. If you go to the ATF's website and you want to find out about bump stocks, what you're not going to find is that there's an ongoing uh, court case. By the way, the court case is called Cargill. Uh, Cargill is a guy named Mike Cargill. Mike Cargill is the owner of Central Texas Gunworks in South Austin, Texas. And if you are in Texas, I highly recommend going to buy something from Mike Cargill. Number one, he brought this lawsuit and fantastic that he did. Two, he's an awesome patriot. And three, he's the guy that I went to and got my first CHL, my concealed handgun license when I be, uh, became a civilian, came out of the military. I went to go train with, with Mike. And ever since then, I've watched his business grow. He's run for sheriff. He's the stocky little black dude. He's got cool holsters in his boot of his, he wears cowboy boots and hats. And he's this just stocky built dude who was in the army. He was a MP, I believe. And he's just an awesome human being. He's got a great personality. He runs a radio show called Come and Talk It on uh, Sunday nights. I believe that he still used to do that. So check out Mike and Mike's, I just put a Twitter post up. If you follow me on Twitter, you can follow Mike there. But he's the one who brought this lawsuit. The final rule was supposed to go in effect in March 
of 2019, 90 days from publication, you became a felon owning an illegal machine gun because they changed the name. They changed the name and they changed the meaning of what machine gun is. The background here, it's listed right there. On February 20th of 2018, Donald Trump issued a memorandum instructing the attorney general to, quote, dedicate all available, available, a little, <laughs> to dedicate all available resources and propose for notice and comment a rule banning the devices that turn legal weapons into machine guns. These do not change the function of the trigger. A bump stock doesn't change the trigger mechanism. They're not a trigger pack. Therefore, they cannot become machine guns. It's black letter law. Donald Trump is wrong on this. And this is a major strike against the gun control, uh, you know, sort of appeasement process. It's the wrong answer. It's always the wrong answer. And if you had a problem with it, you bring it to Congress. That's where we do it. You bring it to Congress. You fix the problem by having legislators decide what represents their constituents and they vote on it and they do it long form. That's how it's supposed to work. It's not It's not complicated. It's not a big debate. Neither should this. This shouldn't be a big debate either. This is coming from my friends over at Catholic Vote. I'll thank them in just a minute here. But uh, a good story today out of uh, yesterday's loop, I think. Maybe it was uh, yesterday afternoon, so maybe it was today's. It says a judge, it's wrong to prosecute right-wing demonstrators, but not Antifa. The judge, this is the one we covered last week, is... Uh, Basically calling out prosecutorial, if uh, political bias in prosecutions, which is what happened with this group, the Rise Against Movement. You don't have to love white supremacists. In fact, I recommend you not. They're generally not really good people with good ideas. And yet you do have to love America's system of protecting these extreme minorities, these groups that have bad ideas, and you have to allow them to speak. There's a reason why we played the blood tribe marching around and the ridicule. You expose these ideas to daylight. And what we cannot have our federal law enforcement apparatus, specifically the FBI in this case, going after and choosing winners and losers based on their political positions. Because there are plenty of examples of Antifa being antagonistic and politically violent. They showed up with pepper spray and weapons and defensive stuff and fireworks and homemade bombs and knives. There were all kinds of examples. And if you're not going to produce a prosecution, if you're not going to charge and indict and investigate those on the political left, then you cannot be doing it on the right. It's a really good point to make. And the last thing is, is that the, even the Rise Against Movement, which is what this whole case was about that you're seeing on the screen, the Rise Above Movement, it actually might be racist from everything I could tell that sounds correct. But there's nothing about them that said that they were encouraging violence. They simply said, violence might be coming, prepare for it. Get ready. If it comes at you, you should be able to defend yourself. You could see why this might play into something like a bump stock. Like you should have every means that are legal, that are within our constitutional liberties. And you have the, the ability to speak out and say things that are unpopular. Unpopular speech is the reason why we have the First Amendment. Ugly speech, hate speech is the reason why the First Amendment exists. Anti-government, anti-authority, violent extremist type speech, as the FBI calls it, is the reason that we have the First Amendment. It's the purpose of the amendment so that we can talk about these things instead of fighting them out with actual machine guns, with actual uh, weapons. That's that's the whole purpose. We're trying to eliminate the, uh, the, the actual violence by just having rhetoric. Rhetoric can get as spicy as you want. It's supposed to. That's how we keep things on the up and up in this country. 
All right, you guys ready to get spicy? Also, let's just say thanks to Catholic Vote. That was one of their articles. If you guys are not getting the loop, you need to do that. Go to catholicvote.org. We talked about them yesterday as well, and uh, since we missed out on a number of stuff, get catholicvote.org's email so you are abreast of all the good things that are coming out there in the world. You can follow them on social media on this little this little ticker that keeps dancing around me. It's at catholicvote, spelled out. You don't have to be a Catholic. You don't have to be a Roman Catholic. The word Catholic means universal. It is a universally useful email to you. I promise you that. If you are a conservative person, even if you're not a conservative person, they're covering down on stories that are relevant to Americans that care about freedom, that care about liberty, faith, family, freedom are the are the things that they topic, you know, that that's the priority there. And you'd be foolish not to get a one minute free email that will allow you to read some stories that you may not see covered anywhere else. They do a really good sampling. They are better at news aggregating than almost anybody else out there. Highly recommend it. Again, catholicvote.org is where you go. And if you just want to read it and you don't want to get the email, you can go to catholicvote.org slash loop and you will see today's loop right there. So you can bookmark it. You can homepage it, whatever. You can add that to your list of things that you check out. Let's do the trad wife game. You guys ready? We're going to talk about this. We might as well. All right. Now, here's the thing. I know that I'm right about this. <laughs> I don't always tell you that my opinion is correct. My opinion is correct in this case. And, and I'm going to prove it to you. I found an article from The Atlantic. We're going to go to there in just a second. But this one comes from Medium. Now, Medium is sort of a left-wing source. It was founded by the guy who, uh, one of the, the co-creators of Twitter. And the article you're seeing on the screen here with this, this woman with this nice pot and the 1950s outfit, and she's got a stove in the wall. Actually, that looks really kind of cool. Like that retro look is coming back, isn't it? I don't like the yellow per se, but anyway, we're looking at this sort of this pastoral vision of America's 1950 domestic bliss. A woman with a purpose, the new wave of alt-right trad wives. Do you see that they started slandering them right away? Because we've already seen what they're saying about the alt-right. The fantasy of the domestic, obedient, European Christian woman, or is this just the enthusiastic 21st century cult? It's coming from some lady. I don't know who she is. Nicolette Herrera. Doesn't make a difference. This is in 2018. It's interesting that it coincided with the middle of Donald Trump's presidency. In the last year or so, she's seen a growing trend of women on Twitter, the domestics of the alt-right, and the extremists of what they call the trad life or traditional lifestyle. Well, for those of us that are seeing this word trad life or tr traditional life, <laughs> what we're talking about is something that has happened in America, but also happened in most of the world that we know of, the Western world that we care about for like, you know, 2000 years. While the term is not necessarily new, there, there appears to be a growing number of women who have developed online communities promoting none other than the traditional wives of America's sexist past. Do you know how I know I'm right? Because they immediately went to sexism and racism because they have to slander it, which is absurd. It has nothing to do with them. It's not sexist or racist to choose something in a voluntary relationship with somebody else, which is what which is what love is, and that's what marriage is. It's two people deciding every single day to continue to do something. In the continued racial overtones of President, the 45th President Donald Trump, you see, it's about Trump. It's about that chaos in their brain. They can't wrap their head around the fact that people want better outcomes, and so they have to try to rein women back. They talk about getting black people back on the, the political um the political plantation, this is the same problem of women getting off the, the, the leftist narrative that women should, quote unquote, have it all, that they should be out there in the workplace doing these things. Um, they're talking about a political commentary who is a racist, Tommy Loren. I don't think that's the case. She seems pretty reasonable to me. I don't know enough about Tommy, but I didn't hate anything she had to say that I've seen. Uh, rise of white nationalists. Okay, we're going to smear it there. Social media, Twitter, blah, 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 blah. Okay. 
And then they go out there and they use hashtags, God forbid. And under the guise of to be a perfect wife, you'll live the perfect life as long as it's a white life. This is the this is the claim that is being made in this particular article. Now, how interesting that they had to make it about a white life. I actually went and read something else that I was very curious about. And you guys may be shocked to find out that we actually have a website, a government website called fatherhood.gov. Yes, it's as cringy as you might think it is. Fatherhood.gov. And do you know what fatherhood.gov says about black fathers? Because I was like, listen, why on earth are we talking about this being a beautiful life because it's a white life? This is the, also all the lives of people that, that lived in America, black or white or any other color, before, let's say, like the 1930s. This was very common before something terrible happened. How about this one? The myth of the missing black father. This is a piece that comes directly from fatherhood.gov. And uh, they build themselves as a national responsible fatherhood clearinghouse, whatever the hell that means. It's government speak for some garbage. Statistics show that close to 70% of all births to black mothers are non-marital. But let me go ahead as a government person and tell you that this is not the problem you think it is because we're now going to redefine our terms. You see how this has something to do with looking at black letter law or looking at facts and then the facts are the problem because of the way that you looked at them because you actually read the words. What they said is it gives rise to a stereotype that black fathers are largely absent. White. I'm sorry, while black fathers are less likely than white and Hispanic fathers to marry their child's mother, that's the problem right there. That's the end of it. No more discussion. Many black fathers continue to parent through cohabitation and visitation, providing caretaking, financial support, and in-kind support. Those are inferior to living in the same house with your children. I'm correct on this. This is not negotiable. The outcomes are demonstrably worse. If you're a single mom, I'm not attacking you, by the way. I'm not attacking you at all. What I'm saying is, is that those outcomes are worse. The statistics prove it. They're not up for debate. The vol this volume, this is a whole study they did, 400 pages, a study of garbage, recast the meaning of black fatherhood and its many manifestations, exploring two parent families, cohabitation, single father, custodial fathering, whatever the hell that means, uh, fa stepfathering, non-custodial visitations, parenting by extended family members and friends, contributors, examine the way that black men perceive and decipher their parenting responsibilities by paying careful attention to so psychosocial, economic, and political factors that affect the ability to parent. Blah, 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 garbage, garbage, garbage. It is all worse. Those are all, the minute you put a modifier on it, Ben Shapiro used to say this, when you modify something, you make it cheaper. Social justice is not as good as justice, right? In this case, anything other than you are a father who lives with your kids is suboptimal. I'm not condemning you. I'm not making a value judgment on you. I'm telling you that the outcomes are demonstrably worse for society. And there's a reason why. And the minute that you start smearing this as a racial issue, You've lost the thread. You've lost the argument. We've, we, I win right there. Here's another one. Trad wives. Sexism as a gateway to white supremacy. Where have we heard gateways to white supremacy? The Catholic Church and, and uh, traditional Latin mass. Why do they hate all this stuff? Why are they so scared of things that are simple? It's just like, look, we, cro we crossed over a threshold. It used to be better. Some of the things that were better was that we had moms and dads raising kids. And I'm going to keep going into this because it's really my favorite. Sexism is the gateway uh, to white supremacy. The trad wife debate is the new and effective recruiting tool for growing intersection between toxic masculinity and white supremacy. I'm preaching to a choir here. I understand this. This is from 2020. This is for the Center for Analysis of the Radical Right. And it's done by BBC. There was an article saying, submitting to my husband like it's 1959, why I became a trad wife. I don't like the word submitting, even though that's the biblical word for it. 
the word is, and this is the this is the real position that needs to be done. There may be an improved version of that 1950s, 1960s era, that leave it to beaver sort of thing. There may be an improved version of it. I don't know that those societies didn't have this attitude, but let's go ahead and say that the better version is this. Men respect their wives so much so that they are willing to go out and toil in the world and leave the home where it's way more fun. I'd much rather hang out of my house. I hate going into the world. Every time I would go out, it wasn't my favorite thing to do. Always. I'd much rather be around my kids and my wife and not talk to anybody because I chose those people, right? Those were all choices. But you voluntarily go into the world, subject yourself to the trials and tribulations of that because you so respect the need for one parent to be there at all times to be the person that talks to your kids. And if you don't, I'm going to read you what I wrote about it. This was the controversial post. I'm just going to do it because I spent a lot of time on this last night and I want you guys to know. Women, you've been conned. The only way to have it all, that's the jobs and kid thing that the feminist movement says, is to pay some other woman less money to raise your kids while you make more. And when I say some other woman, I mean that specifically because if you have men doing this job, the outcomes are not good. How many of you are comfortable with leaving your kids at a daycare where they're hiring a dude? Most of us know. How many of you went out and looked for male babysitters for your young daughters? Is that a thing you did? Like, does anyone think that the babysitter was a guy in your mind when you heard the word babysitter? Not the way I grew up. Not the way most of you grew up. There may be some examples of siblings, but that's not common. The most common thing is women. Why? Because women have caring sensibilities. They have compassion in their heart. They are built in a different way to think about people and not things. Men are interested in things. Women are interested in people. That's the sort of basic breakdown. There's obviously uh, examples that cross over that. But more importantly, it's really, really important that we are not letting randomly men get involved. I just quit our YMCA membership, and I just posted about that. The Central Texas YMCA decided to hire, like they hired some weird gender-confused dude who's in his teens or early 20s. He has tattoos behind his ears which looks ridiculous. He's got very short, kind of curly hair. He dresses effeminately. He has a nose ring that looks like some kind of a Brahma bull. He's got piercings in his ears. He looks like, what I did is I pity that guy, but I'm not gonna leave him around my children under any circumstances. So I quit my membership, which is a bummer because I like to go there and get a workout in while my kids are doing gymnastics class. No more. They had three cute little sweet girls that were all gymnasts. They all had that gymnast bubbly thing where they walk around on their toes. Like I never understood why people did that, but they do. And they were dancers and they were teaching these little girls how to be more athletic. I'm not leaving my kid with some weird, either homosexual or visibly, visibly disturbed person who is representing a disordered lifestyle. I'm not going to do it. I don't leave my kids with drug dealers, even if they're not going to sell them drugs. I don't leave my kids in the backyard with rattlesnakes because I don't trust the rattlesnakes. And I'm not leaving them with some dude who doesn't understand how basic gender roles work when my five and six-year-old are going to be there in a tiny little leotard and there's a hands-on possibility of teaching them how to do stuff. Not happening. Not at all. That guy's not my enemy, though. Because in the 90s, that guy would have been wearing black lipstick and he would have had a super fat girlfriend who would have been wearing leather and he would have been a goth, an emo goth loser. And in the early 2000s, he would have been gay and he would have had some flamboyant. He's an empty vessel that this society pours its garbage into and he just walks around and represents it. And I'm not going to have that person, an empty vessel. And my kids, I had to tell them. It's like, look, you're not going to be doing gymnastics anymore. I'm really sorry. You can't do it because dad doesn't trust the people that they put in charge. And they were like, okay. I was real honest with them. And they were okay with it too. It's gross. Here's the deal. Women, if you want to quote unquote have it all, some other woman is going to have to raise your kids and you're going to have to pay them less than you make to make it worth your time. This creates an arms race for homes, for cars, for schools, and childcare. Anything that it takes to raise a family and kids is going to get more expensive. And we know that it has. 
We know that it has. That's just what happened. Senator Elizabeth Warren, who's a Looney Tunes, actually used to be less retarded. She actually wrote a book called The Two Income Trap. I just read some fun criticisms of it. The political left hates it. They hate the fact that she wrote this. What you do is you create two potential failure points. When you have two jobs and you rely on both of those incomes, rather than putting all of it, it's like the, the uh, V-22 Osprey. Scares the shit out of me. It's a, it's a military plane. It has two rotary wings. If one of those things fails, it falls over. If the other one fails, it falls over. They both have to work. That's two points of failure when you used to have one. And it's not like it's a backup. Okay. In the same way, if you have one income that is, that is your primary income, the other one is for savings and as a backup, no big deal. You can actually have a support system. Having a woman, having a home-based industry, a cottage industry has always been a thing for a very long time. Baking breads, um, you know, building products that were interesting, providing services. These are all fine, it, it, but they cannot be the primary because otherwise you use two incomes to ratchet up the price and now everybody has to do it or you have to make a ton more money. It's a lot harder to be a single income family. Many of you know that. I'm not criticizing you for having two incomes. What I'm saying is it's bad for society and that's not the same thing. Aggregate, it's not good. I said, when you start making two incomes the basis for all of your spending, then both become zero fail missions. You cannot have either one of them fail. Both people have to put 100% into their careers. And more importantly, many people find out that the second one, the lower paid, is just offsetting childcare and the other expenses. You can't make meals at home. You end up having to outsource your shopping. There's all these other things that happen. And what happens is for you, is that you are now basically working just to tread tread water, make some marginal gain. And if you looked, I think my mom actually did the, the calculus at one point. She decided if she was working, she'd be making less than $7 an hour. So like, what was the point? You're better off having the man work a little longer or more if that's really the difference between what you need. It's a big problem. It's because people fail to understand math. That's the way we do it. My wife and I did the calculus on it. She has a master's degree. She's highly educated. She has a professional degree and license. And she doesn't work outside the home simply because of the, the cost to make someone else raise our kids, not to mention just like what that means to your kids. Your kids are going to have worse outcomes. And I don't want to hear the, I, you know, I never sacrificed, you know, I sacrificed this. I went to work and my kids are awesome. Like, yeah, how do you know what they would have been, how better they would have been? I don't how much happier. Maybe you lucked out. Aggregate, it's not good. It turns out as a society level population study. The last thing is, is that we have trans athletics, we have trans dudes going into like girls' locker rooms and into women's bathrooms in public. And the controversies are all direct result. This is coming from my wife's thoughts, not my own, but I agree with her. From many, many years of women pushing into men's spaces, jobs that are for men. There are jobs that are for men. Why? Because we're expendable. Because men can die in firefighting. Because men can die in war. It doesn't end society. But when you start killing off your, your base of women, that's the end. That's the end. And children as well. Women and children have always been protected in Western society. It's a big, it's a big shift in values. So when you start pushing women into places where they have traditionally not been, the opposite is going to happen. You're going to have men come back in there too. That's the backlash. And they're not going to be the men you want. They're not going to be the men who have good values. The trad life movement is not a regression or an attempt to roll the clock back. It's a sense that many people have that they looked at the boomer generation and Gen X and they see unhappiness. They see sadness, anxiety, depression. They see a life that is a struggle. They are crying because they have to work a 50-hour work week and a woman and a man are both doing it and there's no time for kids or leisure or something that is a value. There's no time to sit like we get to do and have dinner at night together. That's an important thing for families to break bread together and to share values and to have gratitude. And they don't have that and they don't want it. There are young people that are seeing it. They are pushing back because they see that the, there's something more ideal in a happiness quotient, and it might involve things that people figured out for thousands of years. We have more technology and we are less connected. 
This is a big issue for me. I don't want to see people less happy. I'm not trying to put my values on someone. I'm trying to say, optimize your life and what you're doing is not working. So try something new. It's foolish to think otherwise. Finding happiness in roles that we naturally feel as men and women is something that has always been the case. Uh, no one has ever said that women can't work, but so-called working mothers as a norm made it harder on other women. And it also is the hardest on the lowest income brackets that suffer the most in this economic arms race. The poorest people are going to have the hardest time with this because they're scraping the most. That means more people, more stress, more struggle for less return. The more money you have, the more it becomes less of a problem. As I always talk about here on the, on the orders of thinking, classic first order thinking is let's do this thing because it makes us more money. The second order and the third order is where it fails. The second order is that younger women must enter a cycle of subjugation. It's the only way that you go into this. You must be subjugated to get this job. You don't have a choice anymore. You must get the job. It's not an option. You are degraded for going to college to get your MRS degree. How many people heard that? I think it's a wonderful thing to go to college and get an MRS degree. And I was one of those idiots when I was younger that, that made fun of it. Because I was like, what are you here for? To find a husband? Like, what an amazing thought. Imagine having a husband at 21, 22, 23 years old, figuring it out. I'm jealous of those people. I wish I had met my wife earlier. I, we, I'd be much richer. <laughs> like, I'd be so much more financially solvent. It's such a better thing in every way. And I probably would have had much better experiences. But I can't change the way that God set me on the earth. But what I can say is, look at what, it, what, what the results are. The results are better doesn't mean it's not hard. It just means this is how we're built. And the third order is that the arms race continues and women begin trading more and more time away from home for less and less of a financial benefit. The only way you break the cycle is the classic American strategy. This is all from my tweet here. So I'm just reading off my own stop. Tighten your belt and you do more with less. The reward is not going to be monetary. There's a very good chance that you live in a smaller house. You have less material things. You may not have a newer car. But that's not going to make you happy. Look at the number of people that are financially well-off that are absolutely miserable. Look at the number of people that have come from massive amounts of money that have basically thrown themselves into drugs, alcohol, prostitution, or whatever else. Derelict lifestyles. Hunter Biden never wanted for anything and has never probably been happy. I pity that man. His life looks miserable from the outside. It looks horrible. The solution is not material wealth. And so we'll have a little biblical verse from Mark. What does it profit a man to gain the whole world yet forfeit his soul? This goes for men and women. What does it what does it profit you to gain all the things materially and forfeit your soul or give up the values that are important for your happiness and for your salvation? These are such simple little things that people have historically known. You can go to the political left and find it. Go to a Beatles song. Money can't buy you love. It doesn't buy you happiness either. The reason people look for love is to find happiness, to find a bond. Look, I'm not attacking anybody. You guys know that, that I don't care individually. I'm talking on the aggregate. We have to discuss this. And the reason that I know I'm right is because one, these fools have equated it with white supremacy and sexism, which are both false. The people who want to do this are consenting adults that have entered into a loving relationship. And what's the whole point? The entirety of it is you want to see a better outcome for your future, for your kids. That's that's what it's about. Um, also, I also know this is true because this one's great. This is the New York Times. My friends at Catholic Vote put this one in there. I'm going to uh, read a little bit of it. What do we see here? We see a young girl crying, pigtails, wearing a little uh, outfit, lots of like happy emojis, lots of comments. These are the, the Twitter, the eyeballs, the views, the clicks. Social media moms expose minor daughters to predation, which is to say they've prostituted their children seeking social media stardom underage daughters, the moms are the ones who are curating it because what are they trying to do? They're trying to get 
social acceptance, but financial reward. These accounts draw men socially attracted children sometimes are willing to pay to see it. They analyzed 2.1 million Instagram posts, monitored months of online chat by professed pedophiles and interviewed over 100 people and parents and children to see what this was about. And this is kind of the piece, I'm gonna throw it up on the screen here. This is the reaction. They blurted out, but it was a nine-year-old girl wearing a bikini. And what does the girl uh, say? Or I'm sorry, what is the, uh, the, the comments? This is all Instagram looking. Wow, mamma mia, great body, love this. Perfect bikini body, take the bikini off, fire, heart emojis, love stricken emojis, you're so hot, y'all are dogs, she's a child, people clapping. We're talking about a nine-year-old little girl that's been fetishized online because moms forgot what was important. They think that it's important to go make money with their Instagram account and they're willing to prostitute their kids to her because it's a, it's a, it's a false idol. We had a whole show on false idols. When you're chasing money and you're willing to subject your children, that's what evil looks like. This is sick, truly sick, as, as uh, Mitch just said in the chat. It's absolutely disgusting. And there's a lot of evil out there. So are you doing that? If that's what, if, you're, if your value system is properly adjusted, is that a possibility that you're gonna go and put your kid out there? And I don't post any pictures of my kids. Go look, you'll never see my kids' faces. Why? Because I know what the internet is. I've seen it. I've seen it and used it in a law enforcement setting. We've hunted people with the internet. It's really useful, by the way. It's a great tool. You all are exposing all kinds of information. You have no expectation of privacy on your social media, even in your DMs. If it's not encrypted and you're not the one who owns it, you're giving it up. And we can get it. Law enforcement can get it. Mm -hmm. You got to protect your kids. Every time I see someone showing a beautiful baby picture, I have two instincts. Number one, why are you showing your baby? Why are you putting that out there? Why do you need that validation? Share it with your family. Send it in a, in a text message if you have to. You don't need to post it for strangers to do likes. And the second thing I think is, is that poor child who never gets a chance to decide whether or not they're going to have their picture out there on the internet forever. Even beautiful babies. I love beautiful babies. Like I don't want to see it shared publicly because my instinct as a man is to protect my offspring. And I hope that some of you take that too. Encourage those around you. Men, we got to drive this in some ways. We got to tell our, our women, like, look, I get it. This is off limits because we're not going to have creeps coming in here. You know why? The same reason I pulled my kids out of the YMCA. I don't want to have to skin that guy and leave him in the desert for touching my kid because that's the consequences of it. I don't want to operate outside the law, but I'm going to probably do that if that happens to me. So I avoid those, the same reason I don't go to like big concerts. I don't go in big crowds because I don't trust the crowds. Not because I don't think I can take care of myself. I'm sure I can. Because I don't want to do something to somebody because they've made a bad decision. I don't want to be there for that. So the crowds I go to are at church and they're around small restaurants and they're around friends. I go to places like that. If we curate our lives around the things that are our values, then you don't have to worry about these ugly, evil threats. If they show up, they get handled by an entire community of people that think the right way. But if you're out there putting your kids in the world, there are so many creeps out there used to be before the internet, it was out there. We had books in them when I used to work at a YMCA as a lifeguard in college. I used to read the books of the pedophiles that were arrested in our area. And they had all kinds of creepy ideas. Now it's so easy. All they got to go is go scan for it and find mom blogs. Don't be that mom blog out there exploiting your kids. It's really sad. Listen, um, like I said, I know I'm right because these people all agreed with me. This is a little video of women. I know we're going long today, but I got this little video. This is a woman speaking at a symposium talking about the Atlantic article that I'm going to share you in one second. And uh, women can't have it all. They knew it. They knew it under Obama, by the way, in 2012. That's what this article is about. This goes back uh, about 12 years. So let's go ahead and throw this thing on. I'll give you just about 90 seconds of it. 
What's your thought about whether women can have it all? I read the article. I thought it was one of the most brilliantly written uh, articles. I can't hear that you. I'm... One more time. It was the most unbelievably written article. And you know what? Kudos to the chairman of Atlantic who published it. So, David, my... Uh... I think that's a wrap. Thank you so much for having <laughs> us today. But uh, I think Anne-Marie's onto something. I don't think women can have it all. I just don't think so. Um, we pretend we have it all. We pretend we can have it all. Um, you know, my husband and I married for 34 years, and we have two daughters. And every day you have to make a decision on whether you are going to be a wife or a mother. In fact, many times during the day you have to make those decisions. And um, you have to co-opt a lot of people to help you. We co-opted our families to help us. We plan our lives meticulously so we can be decent parents. But if you ask our daughters, I'm not sure they will say that I've been a good mom. I'm not sure. And I try all kinds of coping mechanisms. I mean, I'll tell you a story that happened when my daughter went to Catholic school, Convent of Sacred Heart. And every Wednesday morning, they have class coffee with mothers. Class coffee with mothers for a working woman. How is it going to work? How am I going to take off 9 o'clock on Wednesday mornings to go for a class coffee? So I miss most class coffees. My daughter would come home and she'd say, list of all the mothers that were there, and you were not their mom. First few times, I would die with guilt. But I developed coping mechanisms. I called the school and I said, give me a list of mothers who were not there. So when she came home, when she came home in the evening, she'd say, you were not there, you were not there. I said, uh-huh, Mrs. Rag wasn't there, you know, Mrs. So-and-so wasn't there. So I'm not the only bad mother. You know, you have to cope because you die with guilt. You just die with guilt. My, my observation, David, is that the biological clock and the career clock are in total conflict with each other. Total, complete conflict. When you have, you have to... There's, it's actually a really good little piece. The Aspen Institute is garbage, which you guys have rightly landed on. That's who put this thing on. Uh, and, and obviously the male that is, that is conducting this interview is also a wimp and um, effeminate. But points she's making are, are really important. This all came out of a 2012 issue uh, of The Atlantic. This is an article that was written by a woman named Anne-Marie Slaughter who was involved in the Obama administration, why women can't still can't have it all. The biological clock and the career clock are at odds with each other. And of the two, only one of them assures that our society continues. That's it. There's always someone that can do your job. That's why men go into expendable positions, folks. That's it. That's, that's the biological reason. Because you can replace men very easily. And we do. We had entire generations of young men wiped out. And it's devastating. World War I, World War II, etc. But we still marched on. And we learned the wrong lesson. These people were saying, yeah, you can put, you can put uh, women into it. It's sad. She said, all you can do is cope. Every single time you have to decision, make a decision. Am I going to be a mom? Am I going to be a career lady? Check out this article from the Atlantic, Why Women Can't Have It All by Anne-Marie Slaughter. It's, it's, a, it's written by someone on the left. And, which, and her solution was, is that she heard all these people say things like, well, don't generalize your experience. You know, just because you felt that way doesn't mean other people do. You had such a great job. It's a pity you had to leave Washington. Um, I never had to compromise and my kids turned out great. How do you know? How do you know what opportunity cost there was there? You don't. And rather, even if that's the case, even if you are the exception to the rule, the rule is that two parents produce better outcomes. People will be happier for all time. It's really sad. 
Um, it's sad that the political left can't unite on this too. Why? Because it should be about kids, which they should also care about. Uh, got two little things here we're going to show you. Number one, I want to show you a, a Mark was out on the street. You talk about the political um, the the political movements on the on the left that it just make no sense whatsoever. There's this big hatred against Christian nationalists right now. You guys are familiar with it. Mark went out there and did some uh, taping of the Democratic Socialists of America in New York City. They are pro-Palestine. They are 100% behind a theocratic terrorist organization that runs a, a, a region of another country. And these people, these democratic socialists, are you know the same ones that cry about we have to protect democracy. And yet that organization hasn't held an election in 2006. Yeah, okay. And Christian nationalists are the problem. So here they are with their cognitive dissonance. There's a reason why they don't want their faces shown because they say stupid things. This is Mark not on the street. There's some more. This is going to be coming out on Twitter. Uh, we recorded a couple little things on the street. Take a check of this and uh, follow Mark. It's at Mark Not. So that's a little taste of what was going on in New York, even in there. Uh, th these people don't make any sense, and that's why they cover their faces, and they're embarrassed to talk, and they don't want to give interviews because they can't defend their positions in the same way that they're going to always resort to the same things that you see these folks, you know, berating a trad life. It has to go down to white supremacy. It has to go down to sexism. It has to make no sense, and none of those people would do real well in a Palestine, um, even though they're all wearing the right scarf. So that's dumb. All right, you guys need a palate cleanser. I understand that. Listen, it's going to be a dad-based palate cleanser. And if you're on the audio, I'll probably chop this and make it very, very short. But this is about a 30-second long clip of that epiphany, that moment when you realize that you're turning into your dad and that's not a bad thing. So here we go. All right, you guys, how was everything? Can't you tell? I hated it. <laughs> All right, you guys, how, how was I watched that and I cringed and then I started laughing out loud. It's so silly. Uh, for those of you who are just listening to the audio, what you're seeing is a guy with an empty plate looking down. His dad's got the empty plate. They both end up wearing the same vest. They've got different colored glasses, but they both have glasses on. They both are wearing the same New Balance shoes. And the dad is nodding like, yes, like come to the dark side. And they do that high five. So here's a, here's a, a little dad version of from my own life. My dad is famous for doing weird things like that to waitresses and saying things that are silly. You may hear this, and that's okay too. One of the and we've I've talked to him about this. I'm not talking behind his back. I'm talking right to him. One of the things he would do is that he tells me he's really bad at remembering the waitress's name. So the the, the device that he's come up with is that they'll come up and they'll go, "Hi, I'm Christine, and I'm here to take care of you today." And my dad will go, "Oh my god, that's that's so strange." Your name is Christine, and they'll go, "Yeah." And he'll go, "Christine," and they'll go, "Yeah," and he'll go, "That's so strange." My name is Christine too. And then she'll look at him like, oh God, what is happening right now, right? And then uh, and then he'll be like, do you spell it with a C or a K? And then she'll go, oh, I spell it with a C? And he was like, ah, so I spell it with a K. Yeah, not a lot of women named Christine. Have you noticed that? And then they'll look at him like he's insane and then we have to rescue the waitress. Classic, and I go, why? Why do we? I just accept it. And one day I'll probably make the exact same joke or something damn, damn near it because who cares, you know? Dads are the best. Moms are the best. 
dads and moms at the same time, better outcome. Doesn't mean it's for everybody. I'm not saying that you need to have kids. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just telling you for the society to work. There's a reason. There's a reason why we did it that way for a long, long time. All right, let me throw a five-star review up. Uh, all of you, really appreciate you joining us again this morning. Another fun time here on the Kyle Serafin Show. And I've got an older review. I wanted to dig back into the archives. This one is coming from MHB519. I don't know if I ever read this one before, but I'm going to do it because we're going to have Sheriff Kreider on back again. It says, just awesome five stars. Thank you for that interview. I heard of you from Bongino. The interview with Sheriff Kreider is amazing. As a 22-year infantry veteran and now a deputy sheriff, I found this to be insane. I found myself listening in disbelief. My wife came in around the last 15 minutes and I tried to recap it, but there was so much to unpack in that two hours. I told her to listen to it on her commute. I sent her the link and I sent it to other Leos and vets that have dedicated their lives to serving. They need to hear this. I guess I can say that I truly enjoyed this interview, but it made me sad that once was the world's best law enforcement agency is so twisted up. Thank you both. I will be listening. God bless you and stay safe, brothers. So um, we're going to probably replace some of these. I've got to do a trip out of town and I want to play some of the old interviews that are not going to be that, that we can't recreate that moment in time you'll see some of the old tech and the fact that we were sitting in an RV and now we have this nice studio set here and everything has uh, increased and, and the capabilities are all better but the the content back then still still the same kind of stuff we got better and Mark Kreider really cool dude still still stays in touch with him and uh, we'll, we'll have an update from Walla Walla Washington we'll do a quick recap of his story and talk about what's going on new I'm guessing he's probably running for re-election and uh, you know I'd I'd absolutely live in a county where Mark Kreider was my sheriff. I appreciate the dude. I appreciate him as a human being. And uh, he's a pro-gun guy who understands what a machine gun is. He knows a little bit about life. And uh, we can't hold the fact that he was an FBI agent until he retired against him because he speaks out and he did the right thing when given a choice. So thanks so much for joining us today, folks. We will see you again tomorrow for Friendly Friday with Steve Friend. And um, follow Mark Naughton 9. We'll see you again then. Thanks for listening to The Kyle Serafin Show, streamed live weekdays on rumble.com slash Kyle Serafin. Follow Kyle on Twitter, Truth Social, and Instagram at Kyle Serafin.